This week on Geek Explained, just in time for the finale of Secret Invasion on Disney Plus, we're taking a look back on the Marvel Comics event that gave this series its namesake. So join me as I put the Geek Explained spotlight on Secret Invasion. <laughs> Welcome back to Geek Explained. I'm your host, Eric Azana, and today's episode is our latest Geek Explained Spotlight, where I take a look monthly at a specific comic, graphic novel, miniseries, maxi series, whatever, and tell you why it's so freaking great. And this month, in honor of the big ol' finale for Disney Plus's Marvel mini series Secret Invasion, there's a lot of words in that. Uh, I'm looking back at the late two. 2000s in Marvel time on the sliding time scale and taking a look at Brian Michael Bendis and Lanil Francis Yu's Secret Invasion. It has been a while since I've looked back and reread this event and I've got some thoughts. We also have, of course, this week's Comics Countdown, where I'll chat you up about all the comics you should be picking up this week, and our latest weekly review on episodes three and four of My Adventures with Superman. But before we get into all of that, I do want to chat about San Diego Comic-Con. As of this recording, this past weekend was San Diego Comic-Con 2023. I was not attending because I was back in Tucson, Arizona. Arizona, back in the 120 degree heat, doing some wedding planning and visiting some friends. Um, there was a lot that was announced. I just want to talk briefly about a couple things. Uh, on the animation front, we got the latest trailer and announcement for season four of Harley Quinn, which, as we are as I'm recording this, as you are listening to this, drops this Friday or Thursday, even I got my dates mixed up it's thursday tomorrow as you were listening to this so that's pretty exciting uh harley quinn's been fantastic so i'm looking forward to seeing what season four has uh cooked up for us we also got the big announcement which was we're almost there it's season two of invincible got announced and i look listen I understand that this comic has been around for a very long time, and I'm sure Conquest's incredible line has been there and referenced for over a decade. But come on. They used Almost There on the poster announcing the second season. You cannot tell me that the people behind this show have listened to the Geek Explained Book Club. You t- you get you have to tell me that because it's it's uncanny the fact that they used that I just mm, mm, it's vindication I just I need to know I need to know for me but we got the big trailer we got character designs we know Angstrom Levy is coming we don't know exactly when in the 
Invincible timeline this season is going to end. So, I mean, hell, we might see some Viltrumites. We do not know. But needless to say, very excited about this. New season's going to drop uh, November 3rd. And they also gave us a, hey, and here's a little uh, underhand lob to you. Here's an Adam Eve special. Uh, we covered this uh, Adam Eve solo alongside the Rexplode solo back when we were doing the first season of the book club years ago now. And it's really great. It's really great. You can go watch it on uh, on Amazon Prime right now. It is there. Go watch it. It's awesome. Love, 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 love to see more Invincible on my TV screens. Speaking of Invincible or Invincible characters, uh, Mortal Kombat also dropped its big DLC announcement, and uh, its first roster looks pretty packed. Uh, we've got some of the mainstays, your Ermax, your Quan Chi's, uh, I think Takeda from, uh, what was that? 11 or 10, one of those uh, showed up. But obviously the big names that were uh, surprises, and yet also maybe not surprises to some people who read leaks and stuff, were John Cena's Peacemaker, Omni-Man, and Homelander from The Boys. So I will freely admit, my fandom of Mortal Kombat has waned a little bit uh, over the years. Back what I mean... Back in middle school, high school, I was all about those games, but I kind of fell off. I remember my favorite was Deception, the big old uh, kind of not really RPG where you did the the Conquest campaign. Uh, I can't even remember his name now, but you got to build up this character and give him different moves. But I really, I really dug that game. But that being said... I didn't really continue my fandom of those games. I, I mean, I might have to pick this up. I really, I love the Injustice games. And I'm excited to see all of the newness that comes with this new Mortal Kombat game. And it's going to be the only game that we can really play as Homelander. So I am really interested. You know that they're going to give him a skin to turn him into Invincible. So I will be probably picking this up. I am very excited about that. Also on the video game front, uh, we did get the latest big trailer for... For Spider-Man 2, Marvel's Spider-Man 2, I didn't watch it. I have to be completely honest. I didn't watch it because I don't want to be spoiled. I want to go into this as blind as possible. It's gonna be a it's gonna be a long stretch for me, and I am kind of sad about it because I know more stuff is gonna get revealed as time goes on. But I mean, I, I don't want to be spoiled. I want to go in as blind as possible, and I am very excited to do so. Uh, but the big thing really was comics this year. Because SAG is still on strike, because the WGA is still on strike, there were little to no like big old blockbuster movie announcements. We did get another trailer for the Marvels. Still looks fun, still looks great, excited for that. But beyond that, there wasn't really a whole lot in the way of like big movies, which put a bigger spotlight on the comics, on animation, on video games. And I kind of like that. And from what I'm gathering, uh, just looking on social media and all that, comic creators really loved it too. There's been a big uh, positive reaction from this year's SDCC because we got to focus on what 
what brought us to the game in the first place. It is called San Diego Comic Con, and it being a big comic convention just makes sense. So I'm really happy that people got to enjoy a more comic focused convention and kind of sad that that's probably never going to happen again knowing how things are but when it comes to comic book stuff i mean the big announcement i think was justice league versus godzilla versus kong a huge announcement for that that's being written by brian bucolato with art by christian deuce which if you've been listening to this season of the geek explained book club is really really cool we love christian deuce's art and we're excited to see what exactly is gonna happen there on the marvel side we got the announcement of the new x-men and they are speaking specifically to me with this teaser because it's just a big old teaser that says who are the new x-men but they are specifically using the Age of Apocalypse font and logo. And if you know anything about me, the Age of Apocalypse was what got me into X-Men comics. So I am really curious what they're going to do with this. Because there are questions that I have, and I don't know if I can wait until November to even get a tease for it. But that is what we are going to have to do. Wait until November. We will see just what happens. Uh, we also got the announcement of a new Punisher comic uh, written by David Popose, which is really cool. Popose has been kind of killing it recently, and uh, you love seeing good things happen for good people. But this Punisher is not, 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 not Frank Castle. It is a former S.H.I.E.L.D. agent named Joe Garrison. I'm curious to see exactly what is going to be uh, his story and how long he's going to stick around because these kind of things usually never do. I would love this to be something that sticks around, but we'll just have to see. I'm not sure exactly what the goal is for that, but... I have to mention, I'm curious. Uh, we got teases for pretty much every other, I mean, big comic that's coming out. Mostly some new stuff. We got the announcement for Attack of the Amazons, which I thought was really cool. Which is actually going to give Yara Floor and Mary Marvel something to do alongside Anubia. So that's really exciting. I also am just, I, I really enjoyed getting to view all of the news from SDCC and it being mostly comics. It was just something nice. You know what else was nice? Lord Deathman! We got a big reveal from a lot of different action figures. Uh, mostly, I mean, the stuff that I was interested in was McFarlane and obviously uh, Marvel Legends. Uh, Marvel Legends announced the latest um, line that's going to be releasing with, I think, at some point. It's the, it's the next Disney Plus wave. There's really only, I think, one figure that I'm really interested in, and that's the Vincent D'Onofrio Kingpin. But other than that, not really my bag. And then we also got the, you know showing off of uh winter soldier natasha which is cool that one's interesting but another freaking iron man it's just another freaking repainted iron man this time it's mark ii it's the same figure that they just keep repainting and repackaging and i'm done with it i'm tired of it on the mcfarland side i was actually very excited 
We got uh, several different announcements, one of which for super heavy Batman, Jim Gordon. It's one of the few times where I'm like, yes, yes, Batman, give me more Batman. We just now need a Dick Grayson Batman, and we will be in a good spot. And a zero-year Batman. I, th- those are the three that I'm keeping my eye out for. But we got the announcement. We got the viewing of the render. Lord Deathman is finally getting an action figure. And you know I am turning up day one to order six Lord Deathmans. I am very excited about this. It is... Oh, it's, it's the only thing I wanted. It's the only thing I wanted. Uh, the last piece of news that I did want to talk about is uh, regarding Spider-Man. And no, not the Zeb Wells comic. Uh, Dan Slott has revealed that Superior Spider-Man is back. He has returned. And the current Spider-Man book is going to be uh, digivolving into a Superior Spider-Man book. So we're I think we're getting a one-shot. And then the Spider-Man book is turning into Superior Spider-Man. We don't. We still don't know what the context is. We just know that it's happening. So we'll just have to see. But that was all the news that I wanted to talk about from San Diego Comic-Con. And uh, without further ado, let's roll right on into the main meat of the episode. The main course. The entree, if you will. As I put the Geek Explains spotlight on Brian Michael Bendis and Lanil Francis Hughes' Secret Invasion. This is a scrub. A shape-shifting alien that can take the appearance of anyone. They're invading Earth. It's already started. Trust is an incredibly tricky thing. You could spend your entire life building trust, accruing moment upon moment that builds trust from a small pebble into a mountain. And yet, in one moment, at any moment, that trust can be broken. And what happens when you don't know who to trust? That was the question posed by Secret Invasion, an event that encompassed the entire Marvel line, but was primarily the brainchild of one Brian Michael Bendis. We've covered Bendis at length on this podcast, both here on the Wednesday podcast as well as the Friday Book Club, where we went through the entirety of Bendis's Ultimate Spider-Man saga. And though I haven't said maybe the most positive things about Bendis's time at DC post-leaving Marvel, when Bendis cooks, oh boy, does he cook. 
This is our latest Geek Explained Spotlight, where every single month I take a specific comic book story, graphic novel, miniseries, maxi series, whatever you want to call them, and just tell you why they're so freaking good. And this month I am tackling Secret Invasion, the Marvel Comics event that seemed to be the culmination at the time of Brian Michael Bendis's Marvel career when it came to the 616. He had kicked things off in earnest after seeing large success in the Ultimates line with Ultimate Spider-Man and parlayed that into the new Avengers, which to this day is still looked at as one of the greatest Avengers runs ever. And little did we know when that run began that it would nearly come to its end with Skrulls. Skrulls, Skrulls everywhere! And since we are hot on the heels, we're actually, as this episode drops, as you were listening to this, the Disney Plus show that bears the same name as this comic book event will be airing its finale. I'm not sure exactly how the show is going to end, but I can tell you it's probably not going to be like this. It's probably not going to be like the comic, which is a shame because when you look at the mid 2000s when it come when it comes to marvel events you've got the heavy hitters right you've got civil war you've got avengers disassembled you've got house of m you have i mean really annihilation being that big old kickoff to marvel cosmic and sometimes when you look at the late 2000s when it comes to marvel comics secret invasion kind of slides under the radar which is fitting in a way. When you look back at the late 2000s, Marvel was dealing with a lot. A superhuman civil war cut the superhero community right down the middle, killing off Captain America, separating heroes from their teams, and forever changing how we look at comic book events. It's safe to say that Civil War was really the big change when it came to how events are structured, especially over at Marvel. You know, it kicked off basically a decade of hero versus hero conflicts. And all the while, while these changes were going on, we didn't see Secret Invasion. We didn't see the seeds that were being planted. And that makes sense because the scroll infiltration of not just the superhero community but the entire world was slow was deliberate was an invasion and the comics that are involved here are legendary and i feel like when the show was announced secret invasion oh man this could be anything i think the excitement was a little dampered by the use of the scrolls in captain marvel which is a good movie people don't people don't want to admit it's a good movie it's a good movie it would have been i think better received if it was in phase one or phase two but if it had been y'all would not be complaining about it like you do nowadays that being said 
The Skrulls were given a new dimension, that of refugees, in Captain Marvel, which kind of undercut their potential danger as villains for a Secret Invasion storyline. And when Secret Invasion was announced, I know that I had this feeling, and I'm sure a lot of people had this feeling as well, what do you do with the Skrulls? Because they were already made to be sympathetic with the overbearing Kree being the true villains, hunting down refugees. How do you make the Skrulls villainous again? And something that I think the show adapted that they pulled from the comics was having a figurehead with a radical ideology who believed that their place in not just their community, but in the world on Earth was preordained, was predestined. And though I would not go as far to say that Gravik is as compelling a villain as Queen Varanki is, they did a good thing. They did the right thing. By making this person believe in something. Whether or not, you know, it's as, let's say, deep. It's not that deep, bro. Whether it's not as deep as, you know, the theological ideals that Veronki holds. Gravik being someone who is spurned and coming back with a vengeance lines up with a lot of what this comic intended to do, which was not just give a culmination of the Bendis run, which would obviously continue on past this, but really to make the superhero community pay for its sins, in a way, by accruing piece upon piece of comic book history. And you know I'm a basic bitch for comic book history. And having it all come to head, the, for lack of a better term, metaphorical sons paying for the sins of their fathers. And I think there is no better place to start this than with the sins of those fathers, a.k.a. the Illuminati. I remember picking the volume up, New Avengers Illuminati, back before I had ever read the Bendis Avengers run. I was not reading uh, Avengers comics at this point, and I thought that this was possibly the coolest idea with a roster that not many people, I think, before they were announced would expect. Tony Stark, Charles Xavier, Namor, Reed Richards, Stephen Strange, and my boy Blackagar Boltagon formed this group in the aftermath of the Kree Skrull War, which was to say a giant universe spanning conflict that had the superhero community caught right in the middle. And in the aftermath of the Kree Skrull War, a little band of heroes was created. Representatives of every superhero community on Earth. The humans, the wizards and sorcerers, the inhumans, the mutants. Their representatives came together in secret to arrive at the Skrull homeworld and say, Hey, 
Y'all better not do this shit again. And the Skrulls responded by capturing these individuals, imprisoning them, and experimenting on them. For a good long while. It's unclear just how long they were being kept, though it's anywhere from a couple weeks to a couple months. And... During this process, you really get to see this band of this band of brothers. Uh, I just finished listening to Dead Eyes. It's a wonderful podcast. Um, but this band of superhuman, this su- superhuman brotherhood that had been formed during this manages to escape from the Skrulls, but not without the Skrull Empire having gotten what they wanted. Uh, the page that kind of kicks off everything goes like this in the aftermath of the heroes escaping from Skrullos a scientist comes to the Skrull Emperor and says your excellence the damage report is and the Skrull Emperor stops immediately he says stop did we get what we needed from them yes your excellence then it was worth it Tell the priests of the sciences to get to work. They know what to do. Tell them no matter how long it takes, I'll wait. And that was the first issue of the New Avengers Illuminati miniseries, a five-issue series that tracked the progress of this shadowy group, influencing different events across the Marvel continuity. And... I love shit like that. I love shadowy organizations. I love people coming together in secret. I love reveals on reveals. And I love giving depth to stories that already were iconic. Across this miniseries, you would see them get involved in events like the Infinity Gauntlet, uh, Secret Wars, or Secret Wars 2, the less good of the two, uh, Civil War. And as the time went on, You would see their trust in each other ebb and flow. You would see events get influenced and also be simply observed by these flawed men. And in the, in the, let's say, conclusion, because obviously comic books don't really end, runs do, takes on comic characters do but the comics chronology continues especially with marvel the final issue issue five gave us the prelude and the continuation from that last page in episode or in episode in uh part one in the first issue of this miniseries if you are reading specifically just for the secret invasion stuff you really only need to read the first and fifth issue but that being said issues two through four do a great job in recontextualizing and making issue five hit even harder that is to say just read the story it's a great little story it's written by brian michael bendis with art by jim chung it is so freaking good but the final issue of this miniseries is the prologue for the event we are covering today we see the Illuminati coming together one last time following the events of the superhuman civil war. And Tony Stark brought something to show and tell. 
and it's the body of Electra, who had just recently been the leader of the Hand in open conflict with the New Avengers, and upon her death, her body reverted to that of a Skrull. Now, there was no magic that detected the identity of the Skrull, no scans from any kind of technology that could detect the Skrull, no telepath that could read the mind and detect the identity of this scroll, And what that meant was that this scroll had been in the identity of Electra for an indeterminate amount of time. We do not know when the change happened. At least the heroes didn't at this moment. And what that meant was that scrolls could be anywhere. They could be anyone. And that's when Black Bolt speaks. And he's not supposed to be able to do that without blowing up a mountain. And he reveals himself as a Skrull. Not just any Skrull, though. A Super Skrull. Now, for layman's terms, and for those of you who may not be aware, a Super Skrull is a Skrull who can not only shapeshift, but also has access to various powers that are featured by the people they shapeshift into. The most well-known one is Kalert. He's got the powers of the Fantastic Four. But a Super Skrull, in modern-day context, can refer to any Skrull with superhuman abilities. And this Skrull specifically had not just one power. He didn't just have Black Bolt's powers. He had multiple powers. This Black Bolt scroll would attack the Illuminati, and though they were able to defeat it, they were then beset upon by other Super scrolls featuring abilities from Colossus and Nightcrawler of the X-Men, from Thor of the Avengers. And as the conflict got a little too dicey, the Illuminati ended up detonating their base. And in the aftermath, recognized that though they had spent considerable time together, and though they were more or less the reason why this was happening, they couldn't trust each other. And so the invasion had succeeded. It had already done what it set out to do, so distrust within the superhero community, and that's why when the secret invasion event happened, no one was prepared for it. I love the Illuminati, just as a construct, as an idea for this story, but also as a vehicle to explain why this shit happens. One of the greatest things that this comic does is it retroactively makes every scroll appearance since the scroll or the Kree scroll war that much more important because you know that from there to here they've been working on this. Uh the I I want to mention I said last week on the podcast and also in the lead up to this that the Secret Invasion miniseries is the main part of what we're covering. And that's true. The 8-issue miniseries is dynamic. It's fantastic. One of the best events that Marvel has ever put on. But if you are not reading the Brian Michael Bendis New Avengers run 
concurrently with this, you're missing out on a lot of context. Um, I will say, I think the honorable mentions that I have alongside the... Uh, the Secret Invasion event on its own are obviously the Illuminati miniseries, the Brian Michael Bendis tie-ins, and also, as just a fun thing that may not be, like, fun fun, but is also just like, holy shit, what a story, the Black Panther tie-ins to this. Uh, I'm not going to be talking a whole lot about the Black Panther stuff because it doesn't really affect the overall... um, story when it comes to Secret Invasion, nor does the greater Secret Invasion event really tie in that much to the Black Panther book at the time. But the Black Panther tie-in to this is essentially the Skrulls want to destroy Wakanda, and Wakanda will not allow that to happen. And so what you get are several issues of Wakanda going to war with the Skrulls, and the Skrulls getting absolutely decimated and it's just a great little it's one of those things that made me really excited for infinity war when it's like okay all the the alien armadas thanos the black order are coming to wakanda and they do not know the fight that they fucking picked and that is just one of the coolest things about that story and it's exactly what this story is the secret invasion black panther tie-ins are chef's kiss they are incredible they have no real bearing on the wider secret invasion event but it just it rules so those are the i would say not necessarily required though they should be recommended reading alongside secret invasion But the event as it stands is this wonderful story of not just, oh shit, it's Invasion of the Body Snatchers, but it's also this story of having faith. Not just in, you know, a higher power, which the Skrulls do. Not just a faith in a long-term plan like Queen Veronke has, but having faith in each other and watching that faith be both shattered as well as reaffirmed the secret invasion idea is hey what if numerous members of your superhero community the people you trust to defend your lives the people you trust to save your city the people you trust to protect your children your loved ones what if you couldn't trust them And not only that, what if you didn't know which ones to trust? It's just a wonderful story about all of the fear-mongering that happens when you are unable to trust the people that have been by your side. And it starts off very small. The first like body snatch that we actually see in the secret invasion event is our boy good old dumb dumb dugan and i completely forgot about this rereading this for this episode was a trip because not only do we see dumb dumb dugan we see contessa valentina allegra de fontaine now i don't know necessarily what that means for the MCU version. But I find it fascinating. 
I just think it's interesting. But we see Contessa Valentina Allegra de Fontaine go to meet with Dum Dum Dugan. They've had a history. They at this point, Nick Fury is two sheets to the wind. Uh, Maria Hill has taken control of Shield, and no one knows where Fury is. Least of all, Dum Dum Dugan. And so when Val comes in and asks, "Hey," I need to know where Fury is. You need to tell me where Fury is. You know where he is. And Dum Dum says, legit, I don't know. And Val says, huh, that's unfortunate. And she fucking unsheathes Wolverine claws and attacks Dum Dum. We know that shit is real. We know that this is going to be a problem. Because after disabling Dugan... She shapeshifts into him, and the infiltration commences. Now, the invasion has this undercurrent of, you know, theological idealism. Uh, the main antagonist, Queen Veronki, is led by this higher power, this belief. She was exiled for her beliefs and for her, you know, religious devotion to this prophecy that a wave shall come and a blue planet shall be our new home. He loves you as it is written. All of these things that are that are kind of scary in context, but out of context are also kind of terrifying. Um, Veronki was a religious zealot who was exiled by the emperor of the Skrulls following the events of the um, of the Kree Skrull War and the Illuminati event. And so he devises this plan. We're going to take all of the genetic material that we've taken from the Illuminati while they were here, and we are going to get to work on how we get revenge on these fuckers. And Veronki was like, no, you don't understand. Like, our planet is in danger, and I have seen the... F I can see the future, and I see our empire falling unless you follow me. And... This goes to show the different um, the different conflicts. Uh, we get to see just straight up a science versus religion type of story where Veronki is exiled. She is forced to live on this moon. And in the aftermath of Galactus eating Skrullos, they come to her and they say, fuck, you were right. You were right the whole time. We follow you now. And I don't want to give you a beat by beat of the uh, of the story. And I know I do that sometimes. But I sometimes I just get really freaking excited about it. I don't know what to tell you. And I am really excited about this. But I think the thing that's magical about the story is that the show is not this story. It is Secret Invasion in name only, really. And while I think that that can be a little misleading, and it is unfortunate for the fact that this Secret Invasion, as we are looking at it on the comic book page, will not really be adapted unless they pull some weird trickery. It also makes it kind of magical in the idea that 
this story that's on the show, for me personally, is not as good as the story in the comic. And if people who are interested in the show in Skrulls are like, oh man, this was kind of cool, but I'd like to see how it would be good. Uh, <laughs> that's that's really unfair. Uh, they then get to read this comic story that has little to nothing to do with the show and they get to be amazed by it so if you are someone who has just wrapped up the show and you're like oh man is the comic like this i can tell you no it is not and you absolutely need to read it and so we get to see everything kind of come to a head. We get to see the Avengers, who at this point are separated post-Civil War. This is during the Avengers Initiative. This is while Tony Stark is Avenger, or uh, Director of S.H.I.E.L.D. This is when uh, we have the new Avengers alongside the Secret Avengers. And the Secret Avengers are led by Luke Cage and Spider-Man and all these people. And we get to see them have to come together again for this and not only that we get to see possible outs and red herrings for characters who have gone off the deep end like when this was announced no joke lots of people were like well obviously tony stark is a scroll there's no reason that he would be acting the way that he's been acting Unless he had been replaced. Similarly, a lot of people looked at this event and said, okay, well, this is how they're bringing back Captain America. Because obviously, the Cap who died was a Skrull. And this is how we're going to bring him back. But no, 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 no. As you come to find out, the truth is a lot more complicated. And it shows you that right off the bat, when a ship crash lands in the Savage Lands, both Avengers teams, both pro-registration and anti-registration, show up to see what the hell is going on with this um, with this ship. Ship opens up, and we see a bunch of Silver Age superheroes pop out saying, oh my god, we finally made it back. What the hell is this? And you get to see the you know, old school Silver Age versions of like Luke Cage and his Power Man gear, Captain America, Iron Man, Bobby Morse, who had been dead for a while. Uh, we get to see old school whisker mask uh, Wolverine. Like there are a dozen questions that are raised over the course of this. And in this first issue, you get to see certain people have already been replaced. We find out immediately because Reed is like, holy shit, I know what this is about and I know how to fix this. And Hank Pym, who he's been working on this with, is like, yeah, yeah, you did, didn't you? And then shoots him with this laser ray that basically like liquefies him and turns him into, I don't even know how to, describe it but we find out that Hank Pym was a Skrull too and so there is this air of uncertainty and this kind of magical feeling of holy shit who else could be a Skrull and each uh, issue at least that's how it is uh, could, that's how it's presented in the trade which is I might add free on Comixology if you have a Comixology unlimited account go and you can read this for free, the entire A issue event. Um, 
there are these ads almost that are all about like embracing change. And they're the kind of ads that you would see in like, they're basically like self-help posters or like the kind of posters you would see for um, campaigns. And they're all really, you know, nice on the surface, but each of them has been changed to feature scrolls in them and they say embrace change there's even a website which i haven't checked if it's still like around or not but it's embracechange.org and you know what i'm actually gonna check this out you are gonna get me live on the podcast checking out if this is a real thing let's do this embracechange.org i'm clicking in that I love that it immediately says not secure. Ah, okay. So it doesn't work anymore, which is unfortunate, especially with the Secret Invasion show going on. But what I can imagine is that this website was there to help give extra info as well as be probably very pro-Skrull, right? Which I get. You know, Skrulls can, in a way, be incredibly useful and Again, they were given that, you know, I think really nice recontextualization with uh, Captain Marvel of giving them that refugee story, which again, kind of changed how people look at Skrulls, which is fine, but again, makes it a little bit more complicated to tell stories like this. But as the story goes on, you get to see that the Skrulls are everywhere, and yet that is not just making conflicts against them and the war against them more difficult it's also making who to trust much more difficult because everyone is having to look over their shoulder and some of the scrolls don't even know that they are scrolls uh there is a conversation between uh queen veronki and tony stark where she basically tells him yeah like this was all you like, you were indispensable in this conflict. We couldn't have done this without you. This is your scroll name. You were, you know, forced into this, uh, into this form. And we know that it has been terrible on you, but you are the most loyal scroll of anyone. And the mystery on whether that is true or not is one of the best things that's that runs throughout this event. This also gives us great spotlights on characters like the Young Avengers, who at this point had kind of ended more or less their first run and were getting ready to to kick off their next one. Um, it's just, it's a great flashpoint, not that one, for where all of Marvel was going. You know, we'd get... The classic invasion of New York, it has to happen every time. But then characters who we would never expect to be Skrulls also reveal themselves as Skrulls. Like, I cannot tell you how bone-chilling it is. There's a scene on the helicarrier where Jarvis shows up. He's not supposed to be there. How would he even get there? But he's standing there, and it is terrifying i just oh man he scroll jarvis is one of the best characters in this it's really really great um and it some of the versions of these characters as scrolls are 
incredibly fascinating. And you get in the um, in the event itself, but also in the New Avengers run that coincides with this. It's basically issues like 38 through like 46 or 47 are all Secret Invasion tie-ins dealing with, you know, what's going on with the team during the event, um, events that are happening that are coinciding with the event with other characters, and also giving a full-on backstory for Veronki. And you find out that Veronki has been there for a long time you get to see her infiltration of the superhero community again not spoiling it in case you haven't read it or you don't know who Veronki is posing as but having Veronki revealed in her backstory in the uh, Bendis New Avengers run gives you so much depth that you don't necessarily get in the event itself which is why at this point in time tie-ins were essential they meant something Anyway, uh, you get to see her infiltrate the hero community and also see from her perspective the events of the last few years in Marvel time. You get to see her perspective on Civil War. You get to see her perspective on House of M. The House of M issue is maybe one of my favorite issues of this entire event. Uh, Take the time to read the coinciding New Avengers issues because it is fascinating and it also gives recontextualization with her kind of point of contact which is hank pym who is also a skrull and has been for some time and so you get to see the infiltration come to a head how they have been plotting this and planning this you get to see scenes of the skrulls trying to figure out what they're going to do there's an entire issue devoted to them all of a sudden making the plan to infiltrate the human race and infiltrate the superhero community. And it is bone-chilling, but it is fascinating at the same time because you get to see a plan come together. And as the you know Illuminati more or less did bring this upon themselves, uh, watching them kind of reckon with that and reckon with the culmination of all of their choices is really satisfying especially if you did read the Illuminati and New Avengers issues Uh, this series also does see the return of Nick Fury with his own uh, Howling Commandos slash Secret Avengers and I'm gonna be honest with you I recognize maybe a couple of these people but again if you were reading the tie-ins, there's a Nick Fury tie-in, there's a Thunderbolts tie-in, and the Thunderbolts at this point were being run by Norman Osborn, and remember his name, because that's important. Um, it's just great to see the manipulation being used on everybody, and how that is affecting the conflict, but also the heroes at the heart of the conflict. Um, also... I've gone, let's see here, almost 40 minutes without talking about it. The art in this book is stellar. I mean, the art across all of it is stellar. Uh, Jim Chung not only does the the uh, New Avengers Illuminati miniseries, but also does all of the tie-in issues in the New Avengers run. Maybe not all of them. Most of them. But seeing the art by my, one of my favorite artists... In comics, Lanil Francis Yu is incredible. I have gone on record before as 
saying that the Superman Birthright comic, written by Mark Wade, are by Linnell Francis Hugh, is one of my favorite comics because it is a beautiful blend of two creators who I absolutely could not admire more. And this comic does a great job in that as well. Obviously, my track record with Bendis isn't as spotless as with Wade, but he is working magic in this. And it's all punctuated and accentuated by Linnell Francis Hughes' art. Uh, there's a scene at the end of issue four, let me see here, yeah, four, where everything is kind of coming to a head, the invasion of New York is invasioning New York, and there is just a single page, there's no dialogue, but we see a lightning bolt. At this point, Thor had been dead, and had been off in his own world, in his own... Uh, run trying to rebuild all of what he had but him showing up just in silhouette and then the silhouette of a new captain america was the best i freaking loved that um and you has such a great eye for differentiating people not making sure they don't look the same utilizing his mastery of not just expression and action but also of deep set body horror <laughs> uh, and it's all really brought to life thanks to Inker Mark Morales and the colors by Laura Martin, Emily Warren and Christina Strain um, it's just excellent comic booking from start to finish and across every issue we get to see characters like maria hill uh rebelling abigail brand gets a whole thing with sword and the i don't remember the name of the base but it eventually was brought back um her whole plot line involving trying to rescue Reed Richards, uh, the superheroes battling each other in the Savage Land. So you get your heroes versus heroes, whatever. And you get to see some heroes are who they say they are and some heroes aren't who they say they are. It's a really great, just, it's a really great story. And it's also the moment where Clint Barton really retakes who he is up till this point following the events of uh, Avengers disassembled he had thought to have been dead he showed back up during House of M and then was disappeared again and then he resurfaced as Ronan during the new Avengers run and it was revealed later on hey I'm a Hawkeye but not Hawkeye and seeing him kind of retake the stage as Clint Barton is really really cool but again, the big climax, as always, comes in New York with the big battle. Everybody's there. We've got Thor. There's a, Again, there's a great moment between Thor and Cap, who is Bucky at this point. The two of them being like, oh, hey, I don't know you. All right, we're going to unpack that later. And then them going off to continue battling against the Skrulls. It's just, again, this tremendously well-paced thriller of everyone kind of darting their eyes around and not knowing who to trust, but of course culminating in that big climactic final battle. And we get to see not just the... Um, not just the distrust and the tension and the anxiety come to a head in the last couple of issues, but we also have moments of levity. You know, in this big final battle, Spider-Man's talking to Iron Fist, and he's like, hey, you know what? This could be a lot worse. And Iron Fist is like, how do you figure? He's like, well, 
I know this looks bad, but it would be really bad if the Watcher showed up. And we get this moment where Iron Fist is like, who the fuck is the Watcher? And, and Spider-Man is like, trust me. Big, huge, bald-headed guy watches everything. He only shows up when things are really bad. So things cannot be that bad. And then all of a sudden, there's this gigantic splash page of the Watcher just watching everything. It's like, oh, no. Like I said, it's just a wonderfully well-paced story tonally it is exactly what it needs to be this is again brian michael bendis doing what he does best telling big blockbuster superhero storytelling the way that only he can and alongside that threading in the tension and anxiety you know we see at one point jessica jones is like i gotta join in this i can't leave my baby here i can trust you right and we see fucking Jarvis like yes you could trust me and she runs off and it's like no but of course we don't really know that at least the heroes don't and so again you get to see this gigantic climactic battle there's even a uh a safe I guess a fail safe for the scrolls in case they start to lose the fight which gets really really dire and sad and the entire thing is punctuated by the elevation, let's say, of Norman Osborn, who would, in the aftermath of this, get the hero's treatment. He's the one who saved the world, and Tony Stark is the reason that all of this happened and everything's terrible. So you know what, Tony Stark? You're out of here. You're on the outs. We have completely decommissioned S.H.I.E.L.D., Norman Osborn is now the director of a new organization called Hammer. And he is going to be running the show now. Because in the aftermath, you know, everyone gets to have this like, oh man, everything's great, we're all good again. But it's all punctuated by this unease and this terrifying idea, this terrifying potential for what's to come because and i love this uh at the end of the story we see norman osborne in this big avengers tower that he now owns descending an elevator and walking into a room that holds the hood namor emma frost loki and dr doom and he's and norman osborne comes in saying Thank you for meeting with me. Okay. It's a new day. So listen carefully. This is how it's going to be. Kicking off not a new Illuminati, but a brand new cabal. And this would lead us directly into the Dark Rain event, which would eventually lead us to Siege. Again, a fantastic story. And this event really kicked off a wonderful time to be a marvel comics fan maybe not the best time to be a mutants fan but again i think that the utopia era is hella slept on and massively underrated but that's just me um but you got to see marvel firing on all cylinders and that we now have this oppressive regime and now the the heroes have to refine what it means to be together again 
So this is truly breaking everybody down and bringing them to their rock bottom before you can start to build them up again during Dark Reign and inevitably Siege leading into the New Age of Heroes. It's just a great story. It just is. It's a wonderful story that delves into inherent mistrust, the dangers of Big Brother and the idea of putting all your eggs in one basket, how easy it is to lose that trust, and it's one of the best events that Marvel has ever put out. You know, obviously everyone's going to look at the Secret Wars event, which for my money is still the best event Marvel has ever put out. 2015 Secret Wars is still the best Marvel has ever been. But Secret Invasion is easily a top 10, if not a top 5 event for me. And rereading it completely revalidated that belief. I love this event. It's one of the best stories that Marvel has ever told. And one of the best events that Bendis has ever told. He's really one of the best creators in comics for a reason. And I recognize that I've been, you know, wishy-washy on that. And I've had my issues with Bendis. But this era, 2000s Bendis, could not miss banger after banger after banger and overall when you get into the nitty-gritty of the story when you get into the brass tacks if you will of the story it was the culmination of bendis's time on that avengers title he had laid the groundwork from the beginning all the way to this moment. It was the culmination of his stories. It was the culmination of the really the scrolls. They haven't really been as high as they were here. This was the this was the mountaintop for the scrolls, unfortunately. And every scroll story following this is kind of in its shadow. But I for one believe that the scrolls will rebuild. I think that though this might have been the peak of their storytelling, there are great stories for the Skrulls going forward. And think about it. If you really track their entire history, the Skrulls were, at the beginning, a joke one-off story, Invasion of the Body Snatchers in Fantastic Four. And they were turned into cows. And that was supposed to be the end of them. But they rose above that. They were the main antagonists of not one, but multiple stories. Kree Skrull War. Uh, we've got um, Galactic Storm they were a big part of. And here, in Secret Invasion, the Skrulls might be the best long-running Marvel antagonist. If you really think about it. And I believe, for one, that... The scrolls may not have been entirely in the wrong in this story. They were wronged by the Illuminati. They were just defending themselves. And they were led by a woman of vision in Queen Veronke. And I do think that though this story was maybe the most significant story... The best scroll stories are yet to come because, I mean, you could tell a scroll story anywhere 
with anyone. Scrolls could be anyone. Look to your left, look to your right, one of those people could be a scroll, and you might not know it. You might not know that they've infiltrated your society, your social clique, your media that you consume, you know, from books to TV to podcasts. But I do think that Skrulls are here to stay and that their stories will continue to grow and they will reach even bigger heights than Secret Invasion. And if you can't see it now, well, I guess you'll just have to trust me. I freaking love that opening. So, oh, I love anime openings. They're just the best. Uh, it is now time for the weekly review where I review something weekly. And this week we are reviewing episodes three and four of My Adventures with Superman. I'll be reviewing episodes five and six of Secret Invasion next week, so stay tuned for that. But here we are going to be talking about just maybe the best thing that's going on right now. <laughs> My Adventures with Superman Rules. It's just so good. Um, episode 3, we'll kick things off, was entitled, Let's Go to Ivo Tower, You Say. And that obviously gives us the introduction to Anthony Ivo, creator of Amazo. In this continuity, he is part of... He's essentially... Um, what have you, Steve Jobs, that kind of person, the the guy who created all the tech that we use. We use Amazo tech, we use Amazo cars, Amazo phones, all that stuff. But this guy is skeezy. He's not good. And instead of creating Amazo the android, he creates the parasite suit, which eventually, by the end of the episode, turns him into the parasite, which I find fascinating. Because parasite is usually rudy he's just a guy he's just a little guy but this is now a parasite with the genius brain of anthony ivo and now with a vendetta against superman so i'm really interested to see what they do with that but this episode is all about i mean these two episodes really and really i guess the whole series is the clark and lois show they are just the best and i love this whole deal with them. The will they, won't they's, the flirting, the cuteness, the anime tropes of, oh, you really want these two to get together. Alice Lee is doing the most as Lois Lane. <laughs> just absolutely crushing it um, when she's going in and she's just like, okay, so I know we're here for a puff piece. I am doing investigative journalism. And she's just like hounding people for stories and they will not give her the time of day. It's just wonderful. You love to see good characterization, because that is Lois Lane. Uh, Jack Quaid continues to kill it as Clark, and Ishmael Saheed is very underrated, I think, as Jimmy Olsen in the show. We also got in, in episode three um, the, what's it called, the appearance of um, Intergang. Did I do this wrong? Am I thinking of the wrong episodes? I don't know. Um, 
either way, uh, episode three does deal with um, them kind of, again, getting together, possibly. I have to look at my notes. I, sh- I should take better notes about this. But really, it is them continuing to get closer, Clark and Lois. Uh, there's, there's the whole scene where it's just like, no, that's, you know what? I'm thinking of episode four. And I apologize. Uh, Episode four is the whole Anthony Ivo episode. And again, you know, I'll just keep going with that. Um, Episode four, really, really good. The two of them, there's that scene in the, uh, in the, uh, what's called the stairwell where you know Clark has ripped his blazer and then he has to take off his entire suit just so that Lois can sew the sleeve back on ridiculous wonderful anime storytelling it's great I am I'm still loving the show really really am um, so that that was episode four episode three is my interview with Superman uh, which does involve intergang bringing in uh, Silver Banshee Roughhouse and the Mist they were fun I'm assuming we're gonna see more of them as time goes by but this also gave us the introduction to the scoop troop which is uh, uh, who is it Lombard Cat Grant and Ronnie so it's cool to see kind of a rival Team Rocket-esque group t- for uh, Clark Lois and Jimmy to go up against I like it it's again anime tropes out the wazoo but I really enjoy it we're also seeing the development of Clark's powers he's got his heat vision now so Overall, just really good stuff. I'm just, I'm loving the animation. I'm loving the character designs. I'm still loving the animeification of the DC universe. It's something that I've always loved, and it's something that I'm really excited is here now. And I will continue to recommend it to literally everyone I know. And I know that they're going to get tired of it, and I don't care. But that is going to do it for the weekly review. Obviously, again, I'm still loving the show. And once Secret Invasion does wrap up, I will be continuing on with uh, reviewing this show. It's already been picked up for season two. I'm still I'm, I'm just over the moon about it, loving every episode. Cannot wait to continue this train as it continues to roll, obviously. Superman is faster than a locomotive, or faster than a spilling bullet, more powerful than a locomotive, and I am really excited to see what kind of legs this show has. But next week we'll be doing the final two episodes of Secret Invasion. For now, let's roll right on into this week's Comics Countdown. Welcome back to this week's Comics Countdown for the week of July 26th. 2023. This is the segment of our show where I'll chat you up about all the comics you should be picking up this week, whether it's at your local comic book shop, a comicology, or however you get your podcasts, your podcasts, your comics. My brain is all over the place. This is what happens when you take a week-long vacation. But before we get into this week's books, we got to take a look back at last week's books for the Geek Explain Pick of the Week of last week. And this one was tough, uh, not just because there were so few that it was difficult to decide, but because all of them were bangers. All of them were really freaking good. Uh, I do have to give it up to Hawkgirl number one. I loved this issue. I thought it was a wonderful coming out party for Kendra Saunders, a wonderful book written by Jadzia Axelrod with art by Amon K. Well, upon um, this, it's just 
It's a great, great start. And we actually had Jadzia on the podcast. It was the craziest thing. Um, last week, we got to chat about Hawkgirl number one, her journey for Kendra going forward, and hopefully all of the stories that she has lined up for this character. Let's let's take it to 50 issues. Let's let's make sure this this run lasts. So if you haven't yet go by that, go back last week's episode. I did the full geek explaining of the entire Hot Girl chronology as well as snuck in a little interview with Jodzia right at the end that we got to uh, pull off while I was on the road to <laughs> Tucson last week. Just a wonderful opportunity and I really do appreciate her coming on and yeah it's just it's a wonderful wonderful story really dug it and if you didn't pick it up you should go pick it up because i think you will enjoy it as well but that's last week's books this week i want to talk about heavy hitters i've got six books for you to pick up so let's dive into this list Kicking things off with She-Hulk number 15 this is written by rainbow roll with art by andre genelette and the heart attack that I had reading this synopsis, okay? I don't usually read them ahead of time, but two words caught my eye as I was loading up this page. Final issue. I freaked the hell out, and I was very mad for about five minutes before I did the research and found out that this isn't the end of the story. This is the end of the She-Hulk book at a tight 15 issues, but then this exact same creative team of Roll and Ginolette are coming back for sensational She-Hulk, I think in either September or October. That one I think is probably going to be more action and whatever Marvel-focused, while this was more relationship-focused, which I really like. I I dig slice-of-life comics, and even though there were some fights, there were... You know, there was that overarching Jack of Hearts mystery. This book was much more small-scale and intimate, and I loved it. I thought it was a great, great book. So let's finish things off with She-Hulk. Let's dig into the synopsis. Scoundrel pushes She-Hulk to the limit in her final push to save all of NYC from her newest rogue. Meanwhile, the Fight Club has their hands full, taking on an alien horde. Yeah, big ol' finale, really excited about this, and I'm even more excited that this creative team continues to tell She-Hulk stories later on. Next up, we have a brand new number one, that being Batman Beyond Neo-Gothic number one. This is the sequel to Batman Beyond Neo-Year from last year, and is written by the hive mind, Jackson Lansing, Colin Kelly, with art by Max Dunbar, and... This is your this is your Batman Beyond. This is the wonderful team that brought you that awesome stepping into his own Terry story from last year. I I loved it. I thought it was a wonderful Batman Beyond story. You know how much Batman Beyond means to me. You know how much the Hive Mind has been absolutely killing it. We did get an announcement that they are going to be helming the Outsiders, so they're going to be rocking Outsiders and Thunderbolts. Wild. But I'm really excited about this. I'm really excited for them to continue their story and get a little bit more gothic. Let's dig into the synopsis. 
Terry McGinnis defeated the evil AI controlling Neo-Gotham and asserted himself as the one true Batman. But his next battle will bring him to the remains of old Gotham. Children are going missing and being swallowed by the city's old bones. Batman Beyond will have to go underground, led by a mysterious splicer named Kyle the Catboy, to to find the children and confront the city's buried sins. What happened to the green of the city? What happened to magic? And what villains never left old Gotham? I am so excited about this. This is really cool. If you haven't read Neo Year yet, go back and read it. It's awesome. I'm I'm super stoked to pick this up. Next up, we have another brand new number one, one that I'm also extremely excited about. This week really was made just for me. It's Superman, The Last Days of Lex Luthor, number one. Written by Mark Wade with art by Brian Hitch. This is an all-star lineup here. I am really freaking excited about this. Let's just dig into the synopsis, because when I heard what this was when it was announced, I lost my shit. Let's go ahead and dive into this. Mark Wade and Brian Hitch reunite to tell a tale centered on their favorite superhero. Superman learns Lex Luthor is dying and he wants the Man of Steel to help him find the cure for whatever is causing his rapid decline. While the world wants to say good riddance to Luthor, Superman will go to the ends of the universe, through different dimensions and across time to save his foe. But just why does he want to save the person who spent his life trying to destroy him, and will he even be able to find the solution? I am really excited about this because I have a feeling because I've read Mark Wade, I've read Mark Wade's Superman, and I like to think I know Superman as a character, that the initial question is a feint. Why would Superman try to save this person? Because he's Superman. I am very curious what this cure is, what this disease is, and what Clark is going to go through to try to save Lex. I can't wait to read this. This is going to be an all-timer I can already tell. Next up, we have X-Men Hellfire Gala 2023 Special. This is written by Jerry Duggan with art by Adam Kubert, R.B. Silva, Matteo Lolli, Javier Pina, Valerio Schitti, Chris Anka, Pepe Larraz, Russell Dodderman, Luciano Vecchio, and Joshua Cassara. This is going to kick off the fall of X. This is the big X-Men blow-off. We've been leading to this all year, and things are about to go bad. So let's go ahead and dig into the synopsis. The fall of X begins here. The Hellfire Gala is always the biggest event of the season, but this year's will change everything for Krakoa. What is meant to be mutant kind's biggest night becomes their biggest nightmare as the fall of X begins. All your favorite X-Men are going to be left reeling after this one. Shocking revelations, stunning betrayals, horrifying tragedy, impossible deaths, and of course, the most glamorous looks of the year. All in one cannot-miss package. So, who knows if this is going to be the final Hellfire Gala? I don't I'm of two minds, right? On the one hand, you kind of want to go out before it becomes an outdated concept. And then on the other hand, we love the Hellfire Gala. It rules. This is something that the Marvel Universe 
kind of needed and to see it go away is going to be sad but either way i have no idea what's going to happen and that's really exciting next up we have the return of firepower firepower number 25 written by robert kirkman art by chris zomney i have been missing this so much and it's coming back on a double size 25 issue spectacular um obviously robert kirkman has been busy setting up his energy universe obviously he's been busy setting up season two of invincible but now he gets to return to a comic that i hold near and dear to my heart i cannot wait to read this the synopsis goes like this new story arc firepower returns with an extra length 44 page story after learning way lun killed his parents owen cannot let the past go yeah, short, sweet, to the point. I love it. Cannot wait to pick this up. Next up, the big book of the week alongside Firepower. Really alongside all of these books. Like I said, these are all heavy hitters. It's Ultimate Invasion number two. This is written by Jonathan Hickman with art by Brian Hitch. Two big Brian Hitch books this week. Pretty, pretty cool. But I am super excited. I love that first Ultimate Invasion issue. I'm excited to see this new Ultimate Universe. Let's dig into this. The Maker plans to make sure Earth's Mightiest Heroes never became heroes at all. And then he can reshape the universe into exactly what he wants it to be. So it looks like from what we can gather, this is going to be kind of a mixture between a Ultimate Universe and a Heroes Reborn style story. I am really curious Really curious where this is all leading. We know there's going to be an Ultimate Universe big ol' one-shot. We know that we might be getting more Ultimate titles on the horizon. I cannot wait to pick this up. But I can't wait to pick up all these books. To recap, we've got She-Hulk number 15, Batman Beyond Neo-Gothic number 1, Superman, The Last Days of Lex Luthor number 1, X-Men Hellfire Gala 2023 special, Firepower number 25, and Ultimate Invasion number 2. If there was such a thing as an all-star lineup of comic books to pick up on New Comic Book Day, this would be it. So make sure you head to your local comic book shop right now and pick up some wonderful comics. And that is going to bring us to the wrap-up. If this is your first time joining us on the Geeksplained podcast and you like what I do here, feel free to subscribe to us on the podcasting platform of your choice and give us a rating and review. We drop new episodes every single Wednesday, and honestly, ratings, subscriptions, and reviews really do help me and the podcast out in this weird podcasting algorithm space. Raises up our stock and gets us out and into the orbit of listeners just like you. And if you give us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, whatever you want to call it, I will read your review here live on the podcast. You can write literally anything you want. I will be forced to read every single word. And as long as you gave me those five stars, the sky's the limit on which you can write. I am still hunting for my five reviews before August 12th. I am I I think we can do it. I really think we can do it. Uh, we are up to 15 right now. Our amazing Fantasy 15, including Seafire ND, Joshua Panels to Pixels, Matt Draper, Burrito Man 88, Doug from For Every Kind of Geek, Don Swanson, That Guy Brian, Mouth Dork, Dallas Meeks, Amazing Spider Fan, A Lock and Easy, Sass, Jedi Jesse 20, Ken4656, and Director Hall. And I would love for you to join in on the fun. Again, 
five reviews. That's all I want. That's all I want. And I think we can do it. I think we can do it. I think we can make it happen. But also, if you want to be part of the Geeksplain mailbag, send your emails to geeksplained at gmail.com. Just put mailbag in the subject header, and I will read it here on the Wednesday show. If you want to keep up to date with the podcast, participate in polls that decide future episodes, or maybe you just want to shoot the shit with me on the latest geeky news, uh, feel free to follow us on Instagram and Twitter for as long as Twitter is around, which doesn't seem like... It's going to be for much longer. I'm not calling it X. I'm not doing it. You can follow us at Geeksplained Pod. That's at Geeksplained P O D. Uh, last week's episode, the amazing uh, Geeksplained Hot Girl episode that also featured an interview with Jadzia Axelrod, was decided upon by you. That whole interview, the whole episode happened because you voted for it. So if you want to participate in, you know, shaping this podcast, because after all, this is a podcast for geeks by a geek, feel free to engage with us on social media. That would be the place to do it. Finally, every single Friday, including this Friday, is the Geek Explained Book Club, where presently my fellow Flash family, Malcolm Russell Nelson and Jacob Brown, are going through every single issue of every single volume of the Flash Rebirth. This week is a really big one. It is Flash War. Wally West, Barry Allen, going to war with maybe a special guest as well. Uh, I I am really excited about this week. A lot of stuff has been, uh, call, you know, coming to pass when it comes to the Flash run. It's been a delightful time uh, with me and Malcolm having gone through it, though not in a very long time, and Jacob going through the run for the very first time. So join us, won't you? This Friday and every Friday, Flash Fridays are a real thing, so be there or be square, not a circle. But that does it for this week's episode. Thank you to everyone who listened during the month of July, and really for this entire year so far. I feel like this year has been blowing by, and when you are planning something like a wedding, it feels like the days just keep going by faster and faster, but I really do appreciate all of you listening. It means the world to me. Uh, we're hoping to do some big things with the podcast, so it really does mean a lot to me that you continue to listen and you continue to talk about it nicely with uh, friends and family and share us around. Share us around. It really does help out. But that wraps up uh, this episode. That wraps up this month. Next month is my birthday month. So just like last year, every single week will be a brand new Geek Explained Spotlight. It's the only month in the year, asterisk, because I can't be held accountable for my words, that we do a Geek Explained Spotlight for every single week. So... Join me, won't you, next week for the kickoff of that. I always love this time. Uh, had a really, really uh, great time doing it last year, though it was also during the time when I got my surgery. So hopefully August is going to be less uh, medical-focused. Fingers crossed. Knock on wood. But join me next week for our next Geek Explained Spotlight. Same geek time, same geek channel. And for now... For the Geek Explained Podcast, I've been Eric Azana. Thank you so much for listening. Stay safe. Stay cool. It's getting hot out there. The summer is finally here. So make sure you run that AC and take dips in the pool if you've got one. And we will see you next time.
He loves you. Thank you.